Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. How many of you know that culture is a strange thing? You know, you know what I mean when I say culture? I know a lot of times when we hear that word culture, we'll say things like, you know, well, the, the, you know, the, the culture of the world is going to hell in a handbasket. You know, and that's kind of what we think of. But there's a lot more that goes along with culture. Culture is a little more nuanced and deeper than just, just that. Uh, and all of us have experienced culture, by the way. I remember the first time that I experienced like a, a really different kind of new culture is when I, I was 17 and I was going to Barcelona for the 1992 Summer Olympics, not competing in them. I know that's what you all thought. <laughs> but doing some street evangelism with a group from the Salvation Army. And so we were going to Barcelona and that, I'm just telling you how old I am. I'm 17 years old, 1992. Do the math, people, because I don't know how. But... We flew into Paris, and I remember getting off the plane thinking like, well, this is weird. It would seem completely abnormal to me. The, the culture was different, beautiful culture, you know, beautiful people, all this kind of amazing things, but very different than what I was, I was used to. The language was weird. Like, I couldn't speak any, any French, uh, except I knew one phrase uh, from Lady Marmalades. Come on, somebody. Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? In fact, and, and it's, it loosely translated as, will you go to bed with me? So not something you want to use on a mission trip, just so you know. Um, but it all seemed different. Couldn't communicate. The smells were different. The clothing was different. Everything was different. But what seemed strange to me, right, was normal to them. And I would say that the reverse is true. That if someone from Paris, France flew into, into to the U.S. and maybe they flew into Texas and they got off the plane. Everybody's wearing these big old hats. You know, they're like, what the heck is this about? Or they flew into Erie. That would be strange to them. Be like, why are you sitting in a tree stand for hours in the middle of the winter? Why are you fishing through holes in the ice? What's wrong with you people, right? And what are pepperoni balls? I don't even know. Or sponge candy. I still don't know what sponge candy is. And you don't have to come from a different continent or country in order to experience a change in culture. Like whenever somebody visits Erie, like for the first time, we take them to places like Mighty Fine Donuts. Come on, somebody. Because where else can you get donuts, cigarettes, and scratch-offs? <laughs> Mighty fine. That's it. And they're amazing. And so we've all experienced culture in different ways, different shapes, different forms. Uh, and it's not always, you know, kind of city-related. Some of it is family culture. Like, how many of you have ever been to that place where you were dating someone, and you got to the, the place in your relationship, it started to get serious, and you're like, hey, I want you to meet the parents. But before you come to meet the parents, here's some things you have to know, right? You know what I'm talking about? You, you, what you were doing, them, doing is you were giving them a heads up. You were warning them about what they were going to walk into. Hey, just so you know, when you meet my dad, he's probably going to be cleaning his gun, you know, trying to look like a tough guy. Or when you meet my mom, just be prepared. She has a thousand different questions that she's going to want to ask you, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Or you're going to meet the extended family for Thanksgiving. 
And you're like, hey, just so you know, my, my uncle, you know, he drinks a lot on Thanksgiving. And when he drinks, he gets handsy. So watch out for him. Or, or my auntie, you know, she's going to say some things and it might offend you. What you were saying without really saying it was, is that there is a culture to my family that there is a family kind of, of culture and you're giving them a heads up just so you don't get weirded out. Here's what you're about to walk into. You're describing culture. And it's not just in, in cities and states or families. It's also in organizations. There's a culture in this church. Did you know that? There's a culture uh, in different organizations around us. Just even think of the, you know, God's chicken place up the street. You know which one I'm talking about? Chick-fil-A. And I just made all of you mad, right? I ruined your day because they're closed on Sunday. You're my Chick-fil-A. All right, so you don't know that. Uh, but they're closed on Sunday. And, and if you don't know, if you're watching online, I apologize uh, because Chick-fil-A hasn't made it there yet. Maybe you're out of you know, the U.S., uh, but Chick-fil-A is literally God's chicken. It's chicken. It's heaven on a bun. It's amazing, right? It's good. In fact, if you really want to be blessed, go in the morning and get what they call chicken minis and put some honey on it, and it's just going to change your life. But Chick-fil-A has their own culture because when you go to Chick-fil-A and you go through the drive-thru or you go up to the counter and you get your food and you're polite, so you say, thank you, what do they respond by saying? It's my How do you know that? Because of their culture. And they do a great job creating and communicating their culture. And what Paul is trying to tell us in the church is that there is a kingdom culture that may be strange to the world around us. It might look differently to the world around us, but it should be normal to you. You're meant to be a part of it as a follower of Jesus. And I realize that's not everybody in the room. Some of you, you're kind of kicking the tires of faith and we're so glad that you're here. But for those of you that are followers of Jesus, you've said yes to following him, says we should look differently than the world around us. Like it's strange that you would forgive people that hurt you. So that's, that's different than the world around us. It's, it's strange that you would, would serve people that, that, that you, know, you can't get anything from in return. It's strange that you would, come on, like you know, go wash someone's dirty feet. We talked about that last week. You'd serve people in that way that can't do anything for you. But he's also saying is that the culture of the world should not make its way into the church. Now, not the church building, because the church is not the building, but it's the people that we should be different, that we should be in the world, like Jesus said, but not of the world. So I can be in the world. I can be in it on Instagram. I can be in it on, on Snapchat, but I shouldn't be of it. I can be in it, but I don't have to be of it. I don't have to post nasty stuff. Are you with me? I don't have to post you know, foul language. I don't have to get into fights. I don't have to use abbreviations like AF. You might as well just say it, by the way. No, I'm serious. Like, just say it. We can be in it without being of it so that we can influence it and change it and be a light to the world around us. You know, the kingdom of God is something that's both attractional because of grace, because of mercy, because of the way Jesus invites all of us to the table, but it's also polarizing because he also says, hey, come to the table, but go and sin no more. 
And so this is a difficult concept for us to, to grasp, being in it but not of it, so we can influence it. And I'm, my fear is that some of us are, are, are in it, we look more like it than we should if Christ was really in us. Uh-oh. See, I, know, I knew I wasn't getting a lot of amens today. Because this is going to be one of those space maker kinds of messages, I think, you know, where we just create more space next week. It's just going to be that way. <laughs> but my concern is that this, I've seen too much in this season of, of the, the pandemic and fear and unknown and everything happening around us, that a lot of us look more like the kingdom of the world in our responses than we do the kingdom of heaven. Are you with me? And we are becoming too American and not enough Christian. Come on, too American. Too, too, you know, sold out to the culture of this world. Not enough sold out to the culture of the kingdom. And so I want to talk about kingdom culture. And kingdom culture is created by behavior. All culture, by the way, is created by the behavior of the majority of the people. If this is how we act, this is, this is what we do. This is what my family does. This is what you need to be aware of. It's created by the behavior of people and behavior is determined by values. So if we say, right, we value loving people, then our behavior should reflect that we love people. If we say that, you know, all people are important to God, which they are, that God for so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? Because he loves people, then our behavior should reflect that no matter your, your color, your background, your status, your current behavior, what you did last night, what you're, you're gonna do tonight, what you, like, doesn't really matter. Like people get so concerned, the world is concerned about behavior, but we as kingdom people are concerned about your backstory, What's happened in your life to get you to that, that place? Like, no matter that, it doesn't, we love people, period. Because loving people is a value of kingdom culture. And so I'm not trying to live for this culture of this world. I'm trying to live for a culture that's going to last for forever, a kingdom culture. And a kingdom culture, by the way, is a difficult concept for us to grasp. Especially here uh, in the U.S., um, because we've grown up in a democracy. And in a democracy, your vote matters, does it not? You have a vote, and it should, and you should vote, by the way. You need to exercise the right that we have in a free nation to, to vote, and we have another chance in a few weeks during some you know, elections in November to vote again, to exercise the privilege that we have, meaning that you know, every you know, four years, two years or six years, depending on the position, that we have the opportunity, if you don't like who's in leadership, you know, to vote, to maybe get that person out to have a change of, of leadership because this is a democracy, but that is not the metaphor that God uses. The metaphor that God uses is a kingdom. And you know what a kingdom has? A king. And kings don't get voted into office. Kings don't get, you know, voted in they are appointed into office or they take the office by, by force. And in a kingdom, guess what? Your voice really doesn't matter. What matters in a kingdom, the whole purpose of your life is to serve the purposes of the king. Are you with me? And can I tell you something? When you said yes to Jesus, you didn't enter into a democracy. You entered into a kingdom. You surrendered and submitted your life 
to follow the king, King Jesus. And it doesn't matter if you like his policies or not. It doesn't matter if you agree with his word all the time or not. It doesn't matter if you like his authority or his rule or his throne or not. He is king all by himself. He's king. That's it. And we're a part of his kingdom. And guess what he says we should be about, that we should pray, that we should promote is, is God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you know what that means for us, Elevate Church? Our goal is not to hope that our party's kingdom comes to the earth. Our goal is not for us to hope that the Democrat kingdom comes to the earth. Our goal is not to hope that the Republican kingdom or the independent kingdom comes to the earth. Our job is to say, God, your kingdom come. That's it. It's the only one that matters. Your will be done through my life on earth as it is in heaven. Again, Jesus never once invited us to be Christians. He invited us to be part of his his kingdom and bringing his kingdom to earth. So how I live in the earth as a citizen of heaven is not informed by what the earth wants. How I live in the earth as a citizen of heaven is 100% informed by what God wants for my life, which means my behaviors have to reflect the kingdom of, of God. So how do I do that? I wanna give you four values today. Four values found in Philippians chapter one that I believe reflect the kingdom of God. Four values that are, are, are values of kingdom culture. And I think you ought to write these down. If you're a note taker, write these down. If you're not a note taker, write these down. All right, start today. Um, because uh, values really form our behavior. And behavior ultimately sets the kingdom of the environment around us, sets the culture of the environment around us. And just a side note, by the way, if you don't like the culture that's in your home, maybe you should go back and check the values that are in your home. If you don't like the culture you've created in your circle of friends and what you're doing and how you're spending your time together, maybe you need to go check the values and the behaviors in that circle of friends, all right? Here's the first one, selfless. Selflessness is a value of the kingdom. Not selfish, we see enough of that going around, but selfless. Kingdom people are selfless people. And we see that right here from the start in chapter one of Philippians. Paul is greeting everybody, sending his, his best to, to this church that he helped us start in Philippi, which by the way, uh, real quick time out, we did a series a while back called Joy Jitsu, where we looked at the entire uh, book of Philippians. And so if you weren't a part of that, I'll quick go um, book nerd on you. But the book of Philippians is a letter, it's called an, a, a prison epistle, meaning that Paul wrote this while he was in jail. Why was he in jail? Well, he's in jail for preaching the gospel for preaching the good news and people didn't want him doing that. In fact, it, they wanted to kill him, but Paul appealed to his, his status as a Roman citizen and so they had to transport him back to Rome so he could be put on tri trial there and hopefully, you know, the people that wanted to kill him, you know, they'd agree to still do that in Rome. So this is written in about 62 AD or so and so Paul is locked up as he's writing this, this letter He's in prison and he's writing back to these churches that he's encouraging them. Sometimes he's correcting them. Like, like Philippians uh, is, is one of the, the least drama letters in the Bible. 
One of the least, you know, drama letters that Paul writes. How many of you know there was even, you know, drama back in the church way back then? I mean, they always had drama. And so other letters, like to the Corinthians, he had to write twice. He's like, Yuns need to get some stuff right. Yuns need to get your acts together. He had a little bit of a Pittsburgh kind of vibe to him. And so he's like, Yuns got to do this. And so he had to write those guys twice. Thessalonians, he wrote a couple different times. But in Corinth, uh, Philippians, um, is one of the least drama letters. And I love how one theologian puts it. He says, Philippians is like theology with street clothes on, which is like so true. He's so conversational. He's so relevant and real in this letter. Yet at the same time, he weaves all this theology in and through the, the narrative of this book. Super fascinating. So I encourage you to read the whole thing. But kingdom value number one is self Less, selfless. In fact, if you just want to write right next to that, you can write this down. It's not about me. Turn to your neighbor right now and tell him that. It's not about you. You've been wanting to say that all weekend long. <laughs> Philippians 1, starting in verse 12, says this. Now I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me. What, ha- what has happened to Paul, besides the, the obvious imprisonment, you know, false accusation, put on trial, awaiting probably death row at this point. He's also been whipped and beaten. He's also been shipwrecked and snake bit. I mean, a lot has happened to Paul. He says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really served to do what? Advance the gospel. He's like, this is the only thing that matters. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. And I love what Paul says. He says, what happened to me like, has really happened for the advancement of this movement. Has happened to the advance, the, the gospel, the good news. Can you even just hear the selflessness and Paul, he's not complaining when he could. I mean, he's in prison. He's locked up. He's awaiting his, his trial. He's not saying, this is horrible. I'm just trying to, to preach Jesus. I'm just trying to do the best that I can. No, he goes, no, I can see the bigger picture. Kingdom people can see the bigger picture. Kingdom people understand that the part they play is not as big as what they are a part of. That there's something greater for them. And so I can see a bigger picture. There's a selflessness about Paul that Paul understands that his life is about more than just this life. That it's not about him. It's not about what he can get. It's not that the world revolves around him. He's at the center of it. He's like, no, I got to keep the main thing, the main thing. And what was the main thing? Preaching the gospel, the advancement of the gospel. Can I tell you something? That is and always will be the main thing of this church. From the moment that we started and launched, it's the gospel of Jesus. Everything else is, is, is secondary to telling people about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for them because it's the message of the kingdom. It's this gospel message, it's Paul's primary message, and it should be the primary message of the kingdom of God and people who are part of that, that kingdom. The gospel, just so you know, is not Colby's hobby horse. It's not my deal. It's not my, my little thing that I'm a part of. No, it's all of ours. It's the message of 
the kingdom. Colby, what is the gospel? It just means good news. In fact, it's great news. What is this, this great news? Well, the great news is that while Colby was sinning, Christ died for him. While Colby was sinning, which by the way, I was born a sinner. Like that was my, my nature. Like every single one of us were born into sin. We have this nature. No one has to teach us how to do it. And so I was born knowing how to sin and I got really good at it in high school and college. Come on. Anybody else? Got real good at doing it, and I realized that everything that I was searching for, right, left me just as empty as I was before I thought I had what the world said I needed to have. And so I was searching for something, not realizing was what I was searching for was God and getting to that place where, you know, can I really know God and have a relationship with God and discovering what I needed was to be rescued. One word, saved. And needed a savior. And that's what Jesus brought, you know, for, for the sins of the world. He's rescued them, saved them. And so I had this encounter with God to where I just knew God, not in my head, but in my heart. And gave my life to follow what Jesus did for me through his death on the cross. He was buried three days later, right? This is the gospel. He comes back to life, conquering sin and death once and for all. Finally being our one and only sacrifice that we ever need. That's the gospel, and that's what Paul gave his, his life for. And he was, Paul had one message, the gospel. And there was such selflessness about him that he said, even if I go to prison, my goal is to advance this thing. No matter where you put me, let's go. Sign me up for that. It's about the gospel. You know what was missing from Paul's message? Entitlement. He didn't have that. This sense of it's about me, this sense of what about my voice, what about my followers, what about, you know, adding to my, my numbers, and I'm not saying that, that any of us are valueless in the kingdom of God, obviously you're of great value for God to, to sacrifice his one and only son for us, I'm just trying to break through this idea that it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about getting ahead. It's about, about what can I get? What can I earn? And none of that's bad. Getting ahead is not bad. Earning is not bad. But Paul said, anything that has happened to me, good or bad, prisoned, you know, impoverished, prosperity, whatever it is, has all been about one thing, and that is the advancement of the gospel. So if I'm promoted to CEO in my position, it's about promoting the gospel. Are you with me? If I move into that neighborhood that I want to move into, well, it's about the gospel. If I move out of that neighborhood, it's about the gospel. If I, if I go to that school, you know, it's about the gospel. If I have this group of friends, it's about, it's about the gospel. You know, if he repositions me in my workplace, it's about the gospel. That's what kingdom people do. Everything in my life is about the gospel. Not what can I get? Not can I get my, my point across? How many of you know there are far too many people that are trying to make a point that have never made a difference? Not what can I, I have in my life. It's about the gospel. It's about the gospel. And listen, I'm all for you prospering. In fact, the Bible says, you know, you, know, you prosper even as your soul prospers. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to understand the reason why God does any of that is that it's not about about you. He does that for, for the advancement of, of the gospel. Of the gospel. Here's the second value of the kingdom, and that is joy. Come on, somebody say joy. Joy, joy is a value of the kingdom. 
Look at what was happening to Paul next in verse 15. He says, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and others out of good will. So while Paul is in prison, he's not the only one preaching the gospel, the good news. There are other people doing it. And he says, some you know, are doing it uh, out of envy and rivalry. Others are doing it out of goodwill. He said, those that are doing it out of goodwill do so in love, right? Knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former though, those ones doing it out of rivalry and envy are doing it out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Paul says there's this whole group of people that are preaching the gospel and they're doing it just to make my life more miserable. Do you know anybody like that? They just wanna get under your skin, just make things more difficult than, than they are. And he says this, I love it, but what does it matter? Come on, I don't care. He says it doesn't matter. He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. He's like, at the end of the day, it doesn't, doesn't matter. And then he says this, and because of this, I do what? I say it out loud. I rejoice. Man, I got joy. I'm excited about it. He's writing this with chains around him in prison, awaiting his trial. Yet he says, I will Rejoice, and he says it again. I will continue to rejoice. You know what that tells me? Joy is a choice. Joy is a product of 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 the spirit inside of me, because joy is a fruit of the spirit, not a product of my circumstance, not a product of what's happening around me. It's a byproduct of of God's spirit. And kingdom people can choose joy. Paul says, "I rejoice." Because, you know, I'm going to continue to rejoice. Some of us, we can't find joy driving up Peach Street this time of year. We can't find joy when they jack up our order at Starbucks, right? Like, you can't find joy. But Paul's in prison. And I can imagine every time he, he pens a, 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 a line that he can hear the, the, the clinging of the chains on his wrist or he can feel the pull of the chains. He's awaiting his trial. He's in prison. And he says this, but what does it matter? What does it matter if they're preaching to make my life miserable? If they're preaching, it doesn't matter. I'm going to rejoice because Christ is being preached. Don't you love Paul's attitude? Happiness is, is external. Joy is internal. Happiness is, is by, by chance. Joy is by choice. And we get to choose to be joy. That means behavior as kingdom people should be, be one that is marked by joy. When kingdom people show up to, the, to the, the house, to the party, you know, it shouldn't be to bring everybody down. It shouldn't be like, oh, here come the Christians again. Here we go. They're going to suck the life out of it. No, kingdom people should bring the joy. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're facing, no matter the, the season that we are in, there should be something so contagious and attractive about our life. The people are like, I gotta, I gotta understand what's going on with them. No matter what we're going through, no matter the diagnosis, no matter, and I'm not saying everything is always wonderful and awesome all the time, but we have joy in the middle of it. There's this unexplainable, indescribable joy. So I can choose to be negative and I can choose to complain about my situation. I can choose to not like the season that we're in. I can choose to not like the mandates. I can choose to not like what's happening in the world. I can choose to not like the politics. 
right? Or I can choose joy in the middle of it. Come on, we just need to choose joy as a church, as kingdom people, to look for the, the goodness of God no matter what. In fact, some of the, the most Holy Spirit-led thing that you can do today is to go home and start to write out everything you're grateful for. Start a gratitude journal every morning. Write it out because gratitude right, really helps, helps joy come to the surface in our life. Being grateful for, for the things that you have in your life. Just, being, just having gratitude. Joy is a result of, of gratitude. Yeah, but times are tough. Yeah, I, I get that. But I know that God works together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according. Are you with me? We can have gratitude in it. That we can have faith in it. Paul was writing to his, his little prodigy in the faith, Timothy. He said, Timothy, even when you're faithless, God is faithful. That we can have gratitude. So our lives need to be marked by joy. When everyone else is being negative or bitter, or, or even when their mouth says that they're filled with joy, but their face says that they just got their nose hair waxed, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Or sucking on some lemons. Like we need to be filled with joy. Even in the middle of fear. How many of you know you can't be full of fear and full of joy in the same time? We should be marked by, by joy. It's a value of kingdom culture. Here's number three. The third value is surrender. Surrender. And listen, I know I'm, I'm giving you these and all these things, your flesh is like, really? Selflessness? Joy? I don't want to be joyful. Surrender? Like the flesh side of you is going, man, I'm so glad I came to church today, you know, for this Colby, you know, way to go. And I get that the flesh side of you is doing that, but I, I, I got to believe the spirit inside of you is going, I am so glad that I came to church today for this. The flesh side of you is like, man, surrender, joy, all that. But the spirit in you is going, man, this is the way to a full life. This is the, the fullness that Jesus was talking about and said that we could have. This is the way that we are called to live. Look what Paul said, one of my favorite verses, I eagerly expect and hope. Love that. I just even love that word. There's just something about hope, having hope. You can sense a passion in his voice. I hope that I will no way, in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or by death. Then listen to this, for me to live, is Christ, but to die is what? Is gain. How do you get to that place? For me to live is Christ, but to, to die is gain. Paul's attitude is so not of this world. His heart is so not tied to the, the, the culture of this world. It's so tied to the gospel and so tied to the things of, of God and to, to bringing heaven to earth. He says, man, for me to live means I get to keep talking about this stuff. I get to keep pointing people to Jesus and introducing people to Jesus, but even if I die, I'm gaining because I'm immediately transported to being you know, with my savior in eternity forever. Paul's like, I don't even know which one I want more. In fact, if you keep reading, we won't do it now, but verse 21, 22, 23, he's like, I'm torn. Like a lot of me wants to stay here and spread the good news, but a lot of me wants to die. And be with, with my savior in heaven. He says, I'm torn. See, Paul was surrendered completely to Jesus. 
Jesus wasn't an add-on to his life. Jesus wasn't, you know, well, you know, the way to a better life for him. Jesus wasn't his lucky rabbit's foot. Jesus wasn't his get out of jail free card. He didn't even know if he was getting out of jail free. You know, don't pass go, don't collect $200. He didn't know any of that. Jesus was his everything. He says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Is that radical? Because I know some of us, even me, I'm like, Paul, that's, I don't even understand how you get there. This is radical preaching. Colby, I don't know if I I can do this. I kind of just wanted to come to church today and get three steps to a blessing. That's really what I wanted. I'm giving it to you. In fact, I'm going to give you four. This is how we're blessed for me to live as Christ. Can I ask you something? Could you say that? For me to live as Christ, but you know what? If I die, that's okay too. Gosh. And I'm not trying to discount grief. I'm not trying to discount pain and, and, and losing someone. But can I tell you something? We would live with a lot less fear when you could say for me to live as Christ to die. No fear. When you get to that place. There was a, a, a missionary named Jim Elliott, one of the guys I learned about a long time ago in school. He and his, his buddies felt called to reach an unchurched people group uh, called the Aka Indian tribe. Maybe some of you, you heard of this guy, but this was a while back and, and he just had this, this like, much like Paul did, that I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna spread the good news you know, to whoever I can. And so, so here's a picture of him and one of his buddies was a, a bush pilot and, and they would fly over this tribe of people you know, before landing and they would drop gifts down on them. You know, they'd parachute some, some presents and, and show them generosity and kindness. Trying to, you know, just pave the way, smooth things over, you know, for them to kind of engage them with the gospel. And his wife, um, Elizabeth, writes about this in, in a book. But uh, they land eventually. And this tribe comes out to meet them on the, on the sands of the shore. And they get out of the plane, and as soon as they get out of the plane, the tribe comes and slaughters every single one of them, him and three other guys. Just kills them there on the spot. And years later, his wife, Elizabeth, returns to that very same tribe. The same people that had killed her husband, she shares the gospel of Jesus with, and she leads the majority of them. Is that not crazy? to find Jesus. I think sometimes we forgot the, what we're called to do and who we're called to reach and how nothing matters more than getting the word out about who Jesus is and what Jesus did. But they found one of his journals and Jim Elliott had gone into this with this kind of focus, this kind of, kind of same Like ideas, Paul, he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He's no fool who gives what he cannot keep. Can I tell you something? Anything in this world you can't keep anyway. But what you can't lose is eternity. What's gonna last forever are are, our souls, people. Spirit inside is gonna last forever. You can't 
that's gonna go on. In fact, this is one of the reasons why we enter into a season like this where we talk about the, the culture that we're trying to bring heaven to earth and be a part of all that because every year about this time, we, we do a, a year-end giving opportunity. In fact, I, I tell you now, five weeks in advance, just so you can prepare your heart and so you can ask God, we will never tell you what you should give as an offering. Never tell you that. But we will always ask you to ask God. And say, God, what would you have us do in this season? And what would you have us do to be a part of, of advancing your kingdom here on this earth? It's called our Kingdom Builders Offering. It's for over and above our tithe. We're just, we're gonna advance the kingdom in three different areas, locally, nationally, and globally. Because we feel like what we're called to first locally here, just wanna, what can we do to expand what God is doing right here in our city? This is, this is our immediate area of opportunity. Amen. And it's desperate for people. God is desperate for us to share the good news. And then nationally, and you're gonna hear about some of these partners in the weeks to come, but I tell you now, just way in advance so you can pray about it. We're gonna take up that offering and at the end of, or close to the end of November, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And we just have an opportunity to partner with what God is doing in and through that. Enough of that. But Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's just this attitude of surrender. Surrender, surrender. I'm gonna give you one more, one more value. And that's the value of honor. And I'm not gonna spend long on this. In fact, I just wanna revisit the verse that we started with. Verse 27 says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. In the same verse, it says, then whenever I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you're standing together in this, that you're united in this with one spirit, one purpose, which is bringing the, the kingdom of heaven to earth, fighting together for faith, which is the good news, we're just fighting to get the gospel out to as many people as we can. So he says, conduct yourselves. You know what Paul's saying? Honor the kingdom. Honor God. It's one of the ways that, that we, we show honor is by putting him first in our life. Honor, honor God with our actions, with our words. You know what that means? Sometimes you don't say that thing you want to say. Sometimes you don't post that thing you want to post. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you stand up. Sometimes you got to stand firm in your faith. Sometimes you do. You conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was thinking about this. You know, when... when this is how I was brought up. Someone would say, you know, when you take the Lord's name in vain, what that means is you're swearing. You're swearing, you're, you're cursing. You're cursing God or you're just, you're cursing. And that's, anybody else grow up that way? You know, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Don't swear, don't cuss. That's how I grew up. That's not what it means at all. What it means to take the Lord's name in vain is to say that you're living one way. You're taking on the name as follower of, of Jesus to say that's who you are, but you are living contrary to his character. You're not living 
the way he's called us to live. So taking the Lord's name in vain is, is saying that I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a follower of Jesus and I'm gonna give him my life and I'm gonna surrender, I'm gonna do all these things but not live, live that way. And so I get that all of this is hard to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Being selfless, that's hard to do. Saying not, it's not about me, it's hard to do. Having joy all the time, that's difficult to do surrender and honor but if we're going to be kingdom people this is how we're going to live why don't you stand to your feet with me because we're going to prepare our hearts right now to worship through this and just ask God just to to speak to our hearts really about these values and if you just bow your head close your eyes right now you have to understand that there is a there is a way the Bible says that seems right to the world and it's easy to take it because it's easy for us to just drift with the current of culture. In fact, he says that there is a way that, that most of the people will find and they're heading down a path of destruction. He says, but there's another way. Few people will find it. And it's a way that leads to life and life eternal, a kingdom culture, bringing heaven to earth. That's what we've been called to do, Elevate. It's to live differently. It's to advance the mission of Jesus. There's a better way. There is a better way. And so God, I pray right now that you would help us as a church understand what it means to, to bring heaven to earth, to be a part of the culture that you're trying to create, knowing the tension of the world that we're living in. But knowing the most important thing, and let's keep the main thing, the main thing is the gospel of Jesus and telling as many people about him as we can and about what he's done and the fact that we have a, a savior, a, a hope, the anchor for our souls in Christ. And so God, I pray that we would understand how to better be followers of yours and better bring that kingdom to earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast. And we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. Welcome to the family. We would love to know about it. So please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.